tēnā koutou. You're listening to a co-education podcast, pushing the boundaries of educational possibilities. Nau mai, piki mai, kake mai ki tēnei pakihere roki roki. Tēnā koutou katoa and welcome to this co-education Tātai Ahoro podcast about the spiral of inquiry with me, Rebecca Sweeney, and my very special guest, Judy Halbert. Judy is the co-creator of the Spiral of Inquiry and the co-founder of the Networks of Inquiry and Indigenous Education. Kia ora Judy, it's so great to have you here. So one thing that I'm really interested in you sharing with our audience today is around innovation. I get a lot of questions in New Zealand around how does the spiral of inquiry really enable innovation or does it? And the reason people ask that I think is because when they overhaul their inquiry processes in their schools with my help, they often find it's a lot slower than they had anticipated and teachers feel very uncomfortable with being slowed right down to think deeply at times and and inquiry has usually been the quick fix. And so now they're saying, well, if it's slower and more kind of a space where we can reflect and ruminate and make mistakes and things, how does that link up with innovation? What are your thoughts on that or your experiences? I think it depends on what you mean by innovation. So I think that from our perspective, innovation floats on a sea of inquiry. We wrote that several years ago, but it's bringing that curiosity and those deep questions that lead us to new ways of addressing challenges and creating new kinds of experiences, learning experiences for our learners. We absolutely resist that innovation is determined by the new thing, whether it's technology or place-based learning or problem-based learning. It's more a mindset that includes what we think the the seven learning principles from the, the OECD work on innovative learning environments helps ground us in what we really mean by innovation. So are our learners really at the center? Are we taking into consideration the social nature of learning? Are we attending to emotion and motivation? Are we applying formative assessment? Are we building horizontal connections both within uh, the curricular areas and with the community? Are we challenging and stretching all learners? If we're doing these things, we're in that place of innovation. If we are introducing a new program uh, with the expectation that that is going to change everything, it may, but more often than not, it won't. We need to really think, I think, a lot more deeply. So the spiral can enable innovation if we take the time to dig really deeply into the experiences of our learners and to listen to them with an open mind and an open heart. And some of the most innovative work that we've seen has come directly from that place of listening to learners, respecting what they have to say, reflecting on what we learn from them, and then working together to figure out how we can do better and do differently. So the the work of Daniel Kahneman in Thinking Fast and Slow it really fits with the spiral. I think that as he he writes about uh, system one thinking, which is kind of fight or flight. We see a problem, we want to solve it. It's sort of that quick, intuitive, fast action. And system two thinking is where we take the time to really analyze the situation. Sometimes system one is absolutely appropriate. You know, if you see a, a cougar, 
coming towards you on a biking trail, which happened to my daughter on the weekend, you know, you're not going to stand there and think about it. You're going to take action right away. But not all our problems in schools are cougar attacks, and not all of them have to be solved immediately. If we want deeper solutions, we need to take our time. So I think that the spiral can forces us, if we do it seriously and with intention, to really make sure that we understand what's going on before we move to, to action. An example from BC, and then I'll give you one from England if, if you want. So pretty typical high school, suburb, green leafy, results are quite good, everybody is relatively satisfied, and the question would be, well, why do we need to change anything? Kids are fine. A very courageous school leader and an inquiry coordinator said, well, let's actually spend some time and ask the kids the key questions. And we talk about four key questions. What they found out was, yeah, the kids were quite happy. They liked coming to school and seeing their friends. They were doing okay. But what they found about their learning was that it was irrelevant, meaningless, and not connected to anything in their lives outside of school. And that's a relatively common response that you'd get in a lot of high schools in Canada. You know, on global assessments, we look pretty good. On satisfaction surveys, we look pretty good. There's a lot of public support generally. But at the heart of it, are kids really engaged intellectually and do they find what they're doing and learning particularly relevant? So that led to, in this particular school, the development of a program called Farm Roots, where kids are on the land a couple of days a week. They're doing their learning out there. They've reclaimed about a 100-acre plot of land. They had to work with the local Indigenous community to do that. They're just learning all kinds of things, and now it's become a K-12 program where elementary schools are involved there. And it was identified as the most innovative secondary program in Canada the year before last. Now, it came from asking the question and then involving the young people, in this case it was 15-year-olds, in designing the kind of school that they wanted. And then it's taken off from there. So I think it's that place of genuine listening and being receptive and then moving through the obstacles. In this case, there was actually an Indigenous burial ground on that territory. Now that would have been a reason for many projects to just be stopped right in their tracks. But they were able, with the support of the elders, to work through the challenges. And imagine what the kids learned in the process of doing that. And another example that's very relevant right now is this is in another secondary school. With the support of the vice principal, a group of grade 11 girls were concerned about cyberbullying with um, grade 8 students, with the incoming high school students. And they said, you know, adults can't deal with this, we can. So they developed a program, they've done done all kinds of things to help the younger kids learn about appropriate online behavior. They've formed that into a workshop and they've been, you know, doing it around different schools. But it came from the school had that focus on inquiry and the kids said, hey, we see the adults doing this, we can do this. Tell us about the spiral of inquiry and we're going to form our own question. Subsequently, what's happened is that now a group of grade 11 Indo-Canadian boys are taking the lead on forming an inquiry around anti-racist behavior. 
and they are saying we're the ones that can take this on and so they're using the spiral of inquiry to say how can we create an anti-racist school and how can we take what we're learning here and apply that to other schools so from my perspective those are highly engaging kids have agency uh, they're taking responsibility they've got the support of the adults and their learning experiences are being changed so those are in my mind those are innovations that are going to stick as yeah. opposed to you know we're going to buy program x and everything will be dandy you've been listening to a core education podcast pushing the boundaries of educational possibilities they're not our culture.